0: Netta Porte presents The Incredible Women Podcast, Series 2
1: Changemakers.
0: In our first episode of the series, we are joined by Mina Harris, the Harvard educated lawyer and inspirational founder and CEO of the Phenomenal Woman Action Campaign a female-powered organisation that brings awareness to social causes. Harris is also a New York Times best-selling author. In June 2020, she released her debut book, entitled Kamala and Maya's Big Idea. An empowering picture book for children about two sisters who work within their community to effect change, inspired by the childhood of the author's mother, lawyer and policy expert Maya Harris, and her aunt, Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. In January 2021, Harris released her second book, Ambitious Girl, which she hopes will reframe our understanding of who can be ambitious and what exactly that means. Raised in a family of incredible women and high achievers, from a young age, Mina Harris was taught the importance of fighting for the things she believes in and aiming high. Whenever her mother, Maya, and Aunt Kamala experienced injustice, Mina's late grandmother, a biomedical scientist and civil rights activist, would ask, So what are you going to do about it? This way of thinking ingrained in the Harris women has encouraged them all to lead determinedly and forge their own remarkable paths. In 2017, Mina Harris left her job as head of strategy and leadership at Uber to establish Phenomenal. The mother of two says a good first step in supporting girls and young women is to reject the premise that women's ambition, especially for women of color, is anything but a positive thing. Hi, Mina. It is such a pleasure to be speaking with you today for our Changemakers podcast.
1: How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I am doing all right. I'm hanging in there.
0: Gosh, aren't we all? I mean, it's been such a tricky year, but congratulations with some good news on the release of your second book, Ambitious Girl it's such a wonderful, wonderful story. And obviously it tells the tale of a young girl who watches a woman on television be called too ambitious and too assertive. And in response, she vows to become a persistent, confident and proud individual. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write it?
1: Yes, well, so much. I would say, first and foremost, my family, you know, inspires. So much of what I do, and it's both the family I was raised in, and also the family I'm now raising. I have a, a three year old; she just turned three yesterday, Aww. and a four year old. And uh, as you know, you know this is my second book, and so mm-hmm. I had a book that came before it that was my first. And really, it was the experience of becoming a new parent, and uh, you know, reading kids' books with my with my now older daughter, and a lot of the just wonderful you know, iconic uh, children's literature that we all know and love, Brown Bear, Hungry Caterpillar, Where the Wild Things Are. But at a certain point, I started to notice that there, you know, were not characters that looked like my daughters, that had brown skin and curly hair or, you know, looked like our our family. And at the same time, I was seeing just the power of children's literature, right? This idea of representation is that you can't be what you can't see, but further, I was watching my older daughter absorbing messages and images, and and literally wanting to be what she sees. Right. So when she sees Mae Jemison, the astronaut, in a book, she now says that she wants to be an astronaut. Right. And and so the power of that was just so apparent to me um, as I was going through that you know experience as a new parent. And. So at a certain point we started coloring the skin color brown with a brown marker so they you know looked more like our girls or often we would change you know the pronouns from he to she or I'm like now just that annoying parent that pauses every five minutes to ask questions. So it's like, oh, this is an interesting book, but why are there no, no women characters? Or why don't we know the female characters' names? Isn't that a little odd? So anyway, I just, I decided like, I'm just going to go write the book myself. And for my first book, as well as my second book, Ambitious Girl... That was a a real, you know, influence for me was centering Black girl characters that, you know, look like my daughters that other girls can see themselves in and relate to. And I just think that that is so important and diversity in in children's literature generally is something that's become a big issue for me that I'm I'm really passionate about. So that was sort of the bigger overall perspective on the characters and and the way of approaching the storytelling in terms of, you know, whose eyes you're you're viewing the story through. But on Ambitious Girl in particular, it was also, um, again, about parenting and just thinking about raising the next generation and the world in which we are going to raise our girls and recognizing that, you know, I grew up in a family where I was taught that ambition was a good thing, or, you know, more specifically, female ambition. It's, it's all I knew. It's what I saw every single day. It was I, I had incredible role models that were leading by example and, and just showing me every day that ambition meant purpose and determination and uh, having a vision and being innovative and and going after your dreams and not letting anyone get in your way or tell you that you know something can't be done. And then when I became an adult, especially in the working world, uh, it became c- clear to me quickly that society tells us something different. Um, again, for female ambition in particular, it's something that's almost like a dirty word that for a woman to be ambitious it is something that we are taught to diminish or downplay or hide right that it's not something that you you talk about or that you claim and having that experience as a, as an adult and then thinking about parenting and and what we're teaching our kids i felt that there's this you know opportunity through books right to kind of reset that conversation and to reclaim that word in particular that has so much power and use in our society, so thinking about reclaiming that word, redefining it on our terms, which and from in my opinion, as a you know parent more impactful way to do that than starting with our kids and starting in our homes, right like we know that that's when a lot of those messages around what I think are harmful social norms and and the way that we talk about women and, and ambitious women like that stuff starts early. so in that way, I think this book is just as important, frankly for my daughters as it is for boys it's frankly just as important for my daughters as it is for me i joke that like i wrote this book just as much for myself as i did for kids because you know we as adults experience this every day
0: well everything you've said resonates with me on such a deep level a um as a black woman b i'm about to have my first child in a few months what i'd really love to ask you about is how we can actively day by day shift those perceptions you know if a man's confident, it's seen as a positive. But if a woman's described as confident, she's often seen as kind of overbearing or arrogant. What can we do as individuals and I guess societally to to move that forward?
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to, you know, recognizing the power that each of us has in our own spaces, circles of influence and our families. Right. So I bring to the this my perspective as a parent, right, and understanding that i have the ability to influence my kids in the way that i talk about these things or the way that i, you know, teach them, right? And and language, that's the point of the book, right? Language has so much power, especially words like this that we know are used in particular ways. So i think it starts with like basics and and fundamentals of being mindful of that and and the power of language and and frankly, you know, calling it out when you see that. There's an instance in which you see a woman being critiqued or judged or spoken about as it relates to things like, as you said, ambition or confidence, that is simply not how we talk about men. I think it's worth, you know, noting that and saying, you know, would you say that about a a man? I think it's interesting that we're framing this in that way. And that that makes me feel uncomfortable or, you know, that feels like maybe that's not fair. Right. Or I think there's the reality that these dynamics exist. These are systemic issues and on the one hand, that means that they are deep seated and complex and layered, and they are everywhere in all spaces. But it also speaks to the need and also the ability for each of us to play a role in dismantling that, right? And it will take all of us who are a part of these systems and are navigating them to, I, I think, think about that. And it starts with you know asking those questions, right? Which, by the way, often we're not a- we're not asking. We we well, most of us you know move through life sort of in part because we're busy and we're exhausted and like there's a lot going on, right? We just sort of accept things as they're presented to us. And I think it is important to step back and ask those questions. And frankly, part of my writing this book was almost born out of like my anxiety of like, how am I going to do this? And I feel like I've such big, you know, shoes to fill in terms of family I was raised in and knowing how impactful that was, informative that was for me. But the point is, you can start anywhere. You can you, and, and you can start small and look at your bookshelf. Look, you know, look at your kids' bookshelf. Look in your home. Look at the messages and images and conversations that you are promoting in your household. Right, like that's the least that I think we can do is start in our own backyards. And by the way, that's probably the most accessible, easy way for each of us to consider that. Again, it takes all of us. Absolutely and I think on the subject
0: of female ambition it sounds very much like you grew up in a household where you weren't only sort of encouraged to be ambitious but it was really really celebrated and championed and I was very fortunate to be raised in a similar family with those same goals but what would your advice be to those who might not have had that same support where can they look to for motivation and to kind of dig deep in themselves to find it?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I just had a conversation about this. And it it was part of my own journey of recognizing that in some ways, the way I was raised was unique, and that not everyone is necessarily able to get that from their family or, you know, from their parents. And a friend of mine, um, uh, in the context of politics was saying that, you know, she had to, you know, chart her own path and, you know, find that sort of purpose and kind of, you know, confidence and and vision elsewhere. And not to sound corny, but like, ultimately, it is within each of us, right? Uh, I think that is the point as well around whatever your ambitions may be, that is precious to you. And that power to define that resides only with you. And the moment that you allow someone else to define that for you, you're giving up power, you're giving up your own personal agency and power. I think, I'll say that as much work that I think we still have to do in terms of equity and representation for women, especially women of color, in all of these different spaces, there are thankfully lots of examples now that I think all of us can can look to for inspiration. Luckily, you know, we have examples, and that's precisely the point that we need more, and the more that we have, the more that that representation and, you know, those, that opportunity and that example becomes available to more and more people. That is the power of it, right? That not only the, the literal work of giving access and authority and power to women is, is good in and of itself. And something about, you know, that, that goes to a more equitable society, but in doing so you're necessarily, you know opening up the door for for other women not not only to do the same thing but at the very least to see that example and to know and have that confidence in yourself that it's possible for you too. And so to your question like you know I grew up in a family that was very the emphasis and the example was around social justice and activism and and the law and pursuing you know equality and and racial justice through the legal profession and that's sort of all I knew. Whereas, you know, having exposure, as I said, to like founders and business owners and entrepreneurs, that was not something that was in my sort of orbit. And so I had to think about or look to other spaces for inspiration and for a long, long time. Right. As is the case with most industries and most spaces, the the examples I had were white men.
0: Well, thank goodness you've arrived. And thank goodness there's a growing number of female founders and entrepreneurs bursting onto the scene. But speaking of phenomenal, what is your overall mission with the brand?
1: We are a female-powered lifestyle brand that raises awareness around causes, culture, issues and experiences of underrepresented communities with a, a specific focus on women of color And we sort of, it was all kind of an accident (laughs) of starting this thing. It was really coming out of the 2016 election and um, wanting to just do something. I I think a lot of people in that moment were sort of jolted into action of, you know, wanting to speak up or wanting to participate in a way that maybe they they hadn't before. And, you know, we were feeling that and and wanted to just make a contribution. And so it was supposed to be just a one-month fundraising campaign to raise money for women's organizations. And really on the first day, it just took off. And I can say that it took off and sort of like the rest is history. It certainly did not happen by magic. Like I think brought to it two key perspectives of community organizing in terms of my you know political background, and then also being an entrepreneur and bringing that entrepreneurial perspective to it. And I also, I thought about this. I, I think that that's like almost the definition of building a brand is like, community and community organizing plus like entrepreneurship. So that's what I, you know, I did. And I, I thought about literally, you know, how do we get from one month to the next month and go from one month to three months to, you know, how do we get to the end of the year? How do we keep this growing? How do we reach more people? And we've always, I'm proud to say, you know, since that, those early days have stayed true to that North Star and and mission and and the why of, Tapping into, again, dialogue, issues, awareness, uh, giving more access, I think, to to more people to participate in important conversations around experiences of underrepresented communities.
0: And I understand that Phenomenal's named after a Maya Angelou poem from 1978. So I'm assuming that she might be an inspiration of yours. But who have been your biggest heroes and inspirations throughout your career and both professionally and personally?
1: I mean, you know, obviously she's one of them, and there are so many, you know, figures in in history that, again, fought for us to be able to do what we're doing today, but... I, I've always said that I've drawn, you know, so much inspiration from my my family. And first and foremost, that is for sure something that those strong women in my family and who raised me are a huge inspiration for me. Others really are women founders that are just doing extraordinary, innovative, creative things in the world around building consumer brands, I think are, are really interesting and, and are people that I look to in terms of the work that I do. Others are women in uh, especially the the legal profession and the um activist, you know, social justice space that are doing incredibly important, I think, advocacy work around, you know, issues that that matter. Um, I can name, for example, one of my best friends. Her name is Josie Duffy Rice. She is a writer she's a a, a journalist and has done a really groundbreaking work around prosecutor accountability and and criminal justice and has just been a leading rising voice that has so much i think clarity and, and it's been so educational for for me in particular but also just for i think our society in that space around um, how we're thinking about criminal justice reform. You know, other women who lead organizations that are doing important work, some of them are our partners for um, Phenomenal. One other example is uh, Gina Clayton from SE Justice Group. She started uh, an organization that I believe is doing incredibly pioneering work, uh, again, with criminal justice. That's an issue that I particularly care about, um, but doing it through the lens of looking at the impact on women and specifically women with incarcerated loved ones. So, yeah, I just there's so many and it's there there's nothing that gives me more hope and and pride and you know inspiration than to to learn about new, you know, people doing extraordinary things but also just to support that work. And um again, that is what is at the the core of what we're doing at Phenomenal is is thinking about how we use our platform, our voice, our community, our influence to raise awareness and amplify the work of folks that are doing really important stuff on the ground every single day.
0: Well, we have to talk about you as an incredible, extraordinary woman, and of course, a huge inspiration for for many men and women around the world. How How do you kind of juggle that notion of being a role model and kind of being a public figure, I guess?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think there's so many layers to that. I, I think with having a voice that people listen to or a platform or whatever privilege you you have, there comes great responsibility and it's responsibility to, you know, my community and, and the world, right? I think that is that there's a lot of, yes, there can be pressure in that. And I think ultimately for me, it's just trying to do my best, and nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to let people down. But I, I also, I think I've become more comfortable just trying to be. And this is such a like cliche word at this point, but just be authentic and be honest and be myself because that's all I can be, and that is where I am most comfortable. And I, I hope that is where people are able to you know find the most you know connection. It certainly is that that is how I feel about, you know, others that that I look up to or that are role models for me. I also think part of it is just, you know, understanding that we are all, you know, on our own journeys. We're all human and that it's it is okay to fail. And that's part, again, part of being an entrepreneur is you have to get comfortable with that. I I think that's been a huge growth and, and frankly, adjustment for me. I guess I'll also say like this whole idea of being a role model or, you know I hate the word like influencer or thought leader. It's just like I was taught that each of us that all of us has a duty and a responsibility to 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 lead in some way and to do good through leadership and I think this moment um of the pandemic and everything else is showing that that you know ordinary people can do such extraordinary things and have so much impact and be role models for others and create positive change in other people's lives and in your own communities and It's up to each of us to decide that, you know, well, we're, we want to step into that. And um, I just hope more and more people do. And for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, you know, just over the last four years that have, we're sort of in the shadow of, you know, what was a very troubling time for our country. And and let me be clear, that continues to be right. I think we're still grappling with so much of of that and, and are in a crisis that, you know, did not start and end with Donald Trump. Right. So, yeah, I think those are the things that I also think about every day or just, you know, gosh, like, what is this going to look like in the next six months or the next year? And and like, how are we going to show up? Right. Like, and including, by the way, of course, that we're still living through a pandemic. Right.
0: Well, exactly. And I think, as you mentioned, the past four years have been incredibly challenging, but particularly 2020 was a hellscape for most of us uh, individually and as a global community. And it was still grappling with a lot of those challenges. But Looking forward to um, the rest of 2021 with some optimism. What is your advice to someone listening now who might be struggling a bit? How have you stayed positive through this time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first it's acknowledging that it can be hard. Folks are going through, it's a crisis and there's pain and suffering every day. And that is hard. And so acknowledging that for me, just in my own personal sort of journey, through this as a, as an individual, as business owner, as a parent is really just to be kinder to myself. And I constantly remind myself that like, this is a crisis. And if something didn't go the way you wanted it to go, or you're frustrated, or you just got to like, let go a little bit. And I think that perspective and just stepping back sometimes is clarifying and important. I think we get caught up in the the day-to-day of just, like, making it through. And that is, in part, what this is, like, for so many, is just, like, survival. But, you know, for me, you know, in terms of what we're doing at Phenomenal, part of it is just, like, really ruthlessly prioritizing what we're doing and, and asking every day, is this a priority? Is this urgent? Is this... I'm constantly shifting things around or, or frankly, you know, looking to take things off my calendar that are not urgent or that need to happen right away just because I know that spaciousness and, you know, giving myself sort of that white space and just like room to breathe is so, so critical right now. I, I would say that for any entrepreneur and, you know, anyone building a business, it, it generally is. And, and certainly for creative people, I find that if I'm like overscheduled or just have too much going on, it, it really inhibits my, I think, creative mind. But I think in the, this this moment and living through this has just made more apparent, you know, to me, the the value of that. And I think it really does just come down to trying to keep things in perspective, being kind to yourself, knowing Evaluating sort of what is in your control and what is not in your control and anything that is not in your control, just like letting it letting it go. <laughs>
0: Totally. And I think what, what you've said is is so relevant for all of us, because thankfully, despite all of the challenges of the past year, it has afforded us more time to reflect on ourselves and, and the changes we hope to see and just to strip out some of the extraneous things that we don't need and really look to the future um, with a more streamlined vision of what is our priority and what is our focus. But that aside, what other changes do you want and hope to see post-pandemic?
1: Goodness, I mean, <laughs> where it, in what spaces? I'm like, uh, well, I don't know. I'm looking around my house. I'd love to get this laundry folded on a more regular <laughs> basis. I, I'll say that I think that is the both challenge and opportunity of this moment is recognizing, you know, what needs to change like for good and what you know was not working or normal for so many people before the pandemic, right? and i think it's a lot of basic you know things around just how we treat people and it is healthcare and you know healthcare for all it is affordable childcare it is i mean in terms of what we're seeing happening in texas right now infrastructure and responsible leadership that is prepared to deal with climate change and disasters i mean it, the list is so long right I think, again, just in terms of how we treat workers and employees and acknowledging that we're all in or outside of a pandemic dealing with a lot. We're dealing with our families. We're dealing with, you know, again, health issues. We just need to take better care of people. And we are just not even meeting the, you know, minimum basic standard of that. We need, you know, a social safety net. We need, at the very least, a minimum wage, but we need a living wage. People should not be starving and not have health insurance because they lost their jobs because of this. I mean, it's just deep, deep crisis. And that's to say nothing, of course, of you know all the racism and issues that we have around white supremacy and fascism. And oh my God, we have so much work to do and a lot to not only dig ourselves out of in terms of the last four years, but again, understand that this is a a huge moment to just do so much better that in a way that we should have been doing a long time ago. Exactly.
0: I think there are still so many horrors for us to confront and. Move beyond, but hopefully this period has taught a lot of people to live with a bit more compassion and kindness for their neighbour. But on a more kind of micro personal level, what what are your plans for the future? Will we get to see some books for older readers? Not that I'm not reading the ones for kids too with my niece.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the fun part again, all this there's been just so much stuff that's happened, and my becoming an author was a new development. And and that was very accidental and not planned. And it's something that I've just really enjoyed leaning into. And I was saying that like my first book, I kind of almost in a I think self-deprecating way was just like, oh, I'm not a real author, right? Like I did, I did something that was for my kids and for my family, but like, I thought I would just do that one thing and kind of go back to whatever else I was, I was up to. And now I've, of course, written the second book and I'm like, all right, I'm a real author. I'm actually going to like really do this. So, yes, answer your question. Absolutely. I intend to write more kids books to venture into um, different audiences, including YA, adult. And it feels awesome to say that. I definitely, you know, if you asked me that two years ago, or I guess I started writing my first book three years ago. I never, ever would have imagined that. So that's for sure. I hope in my future, you know, we continue to do the work that we are at Phenomenal, also expanding our work around content and community. We've obviously done a ton around apparel and thinking about content through that medium, but we also are, are doing a lot more in, in sort of the short form content space, um, as well as community that I'm really looking forward to to growing you know, and, and there's so much uncertainty still, you know? So I think it's also my plan is to continue getting more comfortable with uncertainty because there's surely more of it ahead. Yeah. I also am, am thankful that I, you know, I feel hopeful and, and positive that we sort of do have this new chapter ahead and I've become a lot better at also just embracing not knowing what the next three months look like that. I think that that is essential For, you know, being an entrepreneur, frankly, and it was a huge adjustment for me coming from, you know, like corporate legal background and just being generally like a type A person who's always in control or wants to be in control. But I think it's especially relevant, you know, again, for all of us just in this moment of figuring out how to just keep going, man, like that. That's still what I think a lot of folks are are dealing with and we and we'll continue to for a while.
0: Absolutely. And and going back to your two gorgeous daughters, what are the kind of biggest lessons that you're teaching them for 2021?
1: Well, I mean, so there's just the day to day stuff of raising two black girls and wanting them to feel loved and supported and confident. And so encouraging them to have opinions and to use their voice and to articulate their opinions and you know arguments, like we're definitely, you know, as I said, I come from a family of social justice lawyers. And so none of us are shy about like debate and right challenging assumptions and opinions. So that's always a fun thing to encourage. There was a period of time where My older daughter, it's like everything she said started with, well, well, well. And I'm like, oh my God, how did this happen? It's like, oh, of course I know how this happened. But it's like every single thing was like an argument. Anyway, but you know, also the the book, I I think being able to have something like that that's tangible and feels like a real, you know, tool to, I think, have what are important conversations at at this early, you know, impressionable age around ambition and, you know, all the stuff I just said, right? Finding your own passions and and purpose. And I think it's interesting with the sibling dynamic too, right? Like I, I'm an only child. So the whole thing is very fascinating to me generally, but there are moments where one of them is like, well, why don't I have that? Or, you know, I want to do that. Or I want to, and just emphasizing like, you know, celebrating differences and celebrating, like doing your own thing, you know, like kids are just so interesting. <laughs> so anyway, each day brings a new challenge or, you know, opportunity and, or, you know, just funny thing that, that happens. And I'm just sort of embracing it all. And again, like doing my best, taking it day by day, uh, and, and hoping that, you know, I think for anyone that's parenting, it's like the minimum is like keeping your kids alive (laughs) on a daily basis. So trying to work in some of the loftier goals, you know, that, that in and of itself is like an accomplishment.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess my final question for you, and you you touched on it earlier, I'd love to hear who are your change makers of tomorrow?
1: Oh, man, there are so many. Gitanjali Rao, who's this young scientist and innovator who was the time kid of the year. I think she's an amazing person to watch. Of of course, there's you know Amanda Gorman, the first youth poet laureate, who um, has just brought, I think, so many of us inspiration and What has been a a challenging, dark time. There are so many activists that are doing work that inspires me every day. Um, Patrice Cullors, for example, who's one of the co founders of Black Lives Matter, Josie Duffy, who's doing incredibly impactful work in the criminal justice space. I think to me, that that just gives you so much hope that, sort of, in every space, there are incredible women, and in particular, women of color that are just doing incredibly important work that inspires me every day. In the founder space, congrats to Whitney Wolf, who just took Bumble public. I mean, that was just extraordinary. um, And it's such an incredible accomplishment. There's just so many. I'm so grateful for that. And and I'll put a particular emphasis on young people, including Greta and people like, she's known as Little Miss Flint, who's done work um, in Detroit around, you know, the water crisis, I really have so much hope and faith in the next generation of leaders and frankly, just see them leading and doing so much in ways that I certainly was not doing at that age. That is just so impressive to me and really just, just ordinary, you know, young people, especially, you know, Gen Z that are doing what they can, you know, in their own communities and their own spaces to just create a more, inclusive, beautiful, creative, I I hope, you know, more equitable, just world. And I I'm able to see it, you know, thanks to technology and places like, you know, Twitter and but like TikTok is another place where there's just so much talent and creativity. And again, especially coming from young people that are, you know, using their voices and and platforms to just do really interesting creative wonderful things and that is super inspiring to me so i i consider myself you know someone proud to to follow their lead and i i think that we are in very very good hands
0: i couldn't agree more And as you said, it's very exciting to see the next generation doing all of these wonderfully creative, inspiring, amazing things, particularly in the midst of a pandemic when we're all locked at home. But um, thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you so much for joining us for our Changemakers podcast. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mina. Bye.
0: Changemakers was brought to you by net and Chalk and Blade, hosted by Sarah Bailey and Alice Casely-Hayford, and produced by Laura Hyde. The executive producer is Ruth Barnes. Original music and engineering by Alex Portfelix. Enter the code CHANGEMAKERS at the checkout
1: for 10% off your first Net-a-Porter order. T's and C's and exclusions apply.